Welcome everyone to the Mr. Mike Podcast, Wrong Answers Only, episode 29, and we're really starting to chip away at the season this year. In this episode, we get to talk to Andrew Chevrier a second time, as you may have already listened to our interview with him, but this episode is a continuation where we get to talk about hockey cards with Andrew and some different things, and we hope you enjoy this little part. Okay, do we do we also have a part where we talk about hockey cards and wrestling and stuff or is that it? Okay, let's let's uh let's let's talk about hockey and wrestling cards. What are you collecting right now? Oh, right now I am putting together a collection of the 1972 Summit Series Team Canada rookie cards. Are you serious? I'm serious. You want me to go get them? I'll go get them upstairs, but it doesn't matter because this is not video, is it? Yeah, it's, it's just not video. audio, right? Yeah, yeah. But it won't. But uh, I started this project about six years ago. I said I'm going to collect the 1972 Summit Series Team rookies for Team Canada because I don't know if the Team Russia has their own rookie cards. Maybe they do in Russia. Those would be expensive imports. <laughs> and the interesting thing about this is before I even had the idea, I didn't realize that the two cards that would make this project impossible do not factor in. One is, of course, Bobby Orr, who yeah. is the most expensive rookie card in the history of of cards before you had the short-printed Crosby $30,000 a cup. Mm. Um, and Bobby Orr was often injured. That was the thing about him. He didn't play on the team. If he plays on that team, I can't make this collection. I cannot frame it and put it in my man cave. I cannot afford to do it. The other player which would have hindered that was Bobby Hull. Yeah. Bobby Hull was blacklisted from the team because he was playing in the WHA. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So without those two cards, this project, which sounds crazy, is just ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, the only cards that are really... Hard to get are like Stan Makita's rookie mm-hmm. and Frank Mahovlich's rookie and Phil Esposito. But you can get a Wayne Cashman rookie for pretty cheap. You can grab Gila Point Serge Savar for not too expensive either because uh, defensemen are never as expensive. So I've spent six years collecting that. And uh, I'm a big vintage hockey guy because honestly, the new stuff is so expensive, right? Like you get a new box of just the new upper deck extended. You buy a box of that, it's a hundred something bucks. And I don't have a hundred something bucks just to gamble on that. When I know I can buy a Guy Lafleur rookie for a hundred bucks. You can't see because my, I think my zoom is blurry. But yeah. on, on top over here, there's a bunch of uh, see-through plastic bins. And they're yeah. filled with unopened upper deck and different boxes of cards from different years. Like I have a... 2000 what Crosby rookie was uh, 2005 2006 yeah I have a box of the series one in there unopened I have a just I just started buying boxes and then I get them and I'm like I just spent 100 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever on this I don't want to open it so I wouldn't open it and I just start collecting boxes and they're all sitting in there now and I don't know what I'm going to do I have all kinds of stuff like uh the McDavid year, I have a bunch of different products. Yes. McDavid years before the boxes are now like five hundred bucks a piece. I think they're more than that. The prices go up like as soon as something. The, the problem is the, the pandemic increased yes. the prices of because everybody wants to collect something vintage or they want to buy the next hot thing and they're like, oh my god, I could 
you know, our dollar's not doing well, gold's not doing well, crypto is like, eh, let's let's go invest in vintage stuff, comic books, video games, cards, and stuff like that. So um, it's kind of making the hobby a little bit too expensive. That so, but something like your hobby, which you'll take years to do, uh, your specific collection, that's great. But this, uh, I'm I'm only missing Phil Esposito. I'm almost only, done. Only six years. You know, but I have I also have like I started collecting um Michael Matheson for the who got traded mm-hmm. to Montreal. Yeah. I I was always high on him in Florida. Yeah. He got moved to Pittsburgh and stuff like well, that. He's from Point Clare. He's a local yes. uh, West Island kid. So I uh, like right now I have a big stack of his cards in front here and yeah. uh like I have his Oh my god, these are like like I got to see it's like it's uh his canvas, his uh, regular young gun, his clear cut like I have a bunch of stuff that I just started. Collecting. I was like, let me let me collect them. But my my two big guys that I've collected over the years have been uh, Jonathan Huberdo yeah, and uh, yeah, Joe yeah. Thornton. And then then I got some like I got a McDavid rookie. I got a bunch of awesome Matthews rookie. I got uh, a couple of Patrick Waz that are just sitting around. I don't know if you could see him. Yeah, it's, I see. Well, I know the card. You know, it's like yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah there so you got, yeah. there's um a couple. I have cards sitting around everywhere. I'm I'm literally in my third bedroom. That's a storage room slash office slash everything. And also my cards are everywhere. And I have like 20 monitors. I, until I renovate the, bo- the basement, I have, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of stuck here. But uh, well, yeah. I've, I've collected hockey cards since my great-grandmother would give me two bucks and I could buy eight packs of uh, Opeachy 1988 with that. And uh, I remember that was 25 cents a pack. And they had, they had great stuff in there. And then when Upper Deck came in in like 1990, 91, I think it was, that's the year with like the Madano rookie with the Fedorov and the Beret rookies, 1990 or 91. Anyway, yeah, they upped it to like four bucks a pack. I'm like, I could buy one pack now instead of eight. Yeah. But I've always loved hockey cards. I've always loved hockey because, you know, we're Montrealers. This is hockey's hometown. I I love hockey cards. I my father my father in the nineties we would go buy boxes of the nineteen ninety ninety one ninety two ninety three whatever yeah. football baseball and hockey and he'd buy like ten boxes of this stuff and we open it on the weekend and we'd make and we made all the sets I still have them in in the boxes we put them in alphabetical order but people kind of people don't really do that anymore they don't really make sets no you could collect the commons pretty easily a base set. Yeah. Because uh, you buy one hobby box, you have pretty much everything. Like, I would have, all, I had all the upper deck sets of 90, 91, 92. That stuff is worth more in sentimental value than it is in, in money because it was just so overproduced, you know? Yeah. The, uh, the sets, yeah. I would buy one hobby box every year, though, from the hot rookies. I wanted the Subban rookie. I wanted the Galchenyuk rookie. I wanted all the hot Canadians rookies. But I say that my experience with hobby boxes is. It is uh, demonstrated by when I tried to get the Subban rookie in a hobby box, I ended up with three Griffin Reinhardt rookies. Yes. That year. Yeah. I, I ended up with three. Gri- that's to get Griffin Reinhardt three times is demonstrative of my luck with hobby boxes. You know what the problem, though, is with that is that they're supposed to be like they tell you the odds in the back of the box. And, yeah. I, and I keep up with the Twitter community for mm-hmm. hockey cards, right? Mm-hmm. So I, like I have a I have a third twitter account just for that just for hockey cards and um i'm gonna have to follow you on that i was looking for it maybe i've just followed you on it I yeah think i just did yeah. i i mean i haven't been so uh engaged on that one since mm-hmm. the beginning since i mean the last couple of years but when i was active and i was trying to sell cards or trade you trades with people i was using that 
but people voiced their concerns with Upper Deck and quality control has been yep, a problem. That, yeah. It's been a huge problem the last two, three years. Errors, damaged cards, and multiple cards in multiple boxes of the same player. Like, how many Reinhardts do you need? Well, mm-hmm. in, in essence, you really shouldn't be landing like one, two, three, four, five, ten of the same player. What are the odds of getting three short printed Griffin Reinhardts in one hobby box? Right? The, what so, are the odds? So they're, yeah, well, they'll tell you the odds <laughs> of the back. It's one in a hundred packs or one in four packs as a rookie. But, but that cubed, you know, like that times. Like that, those odds, times those odds, times those odds, you know? And, like, and, and, then, and then people do breaks. Like you buy into breaks mm-hmm. and then a, does, a breaker does it live on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they'll buy a case of whatever product comes out. And they buy this case and there's guaranteed in the case one superstar, autograph, jersey, rookie, whatever. And then in each box is guaranteed an autograph of a player and a jersey patch. And then when the cases, which is a lot of boxes in there, the cases don't have what they're guaranteed, then the, the um, breaker or the person, the dealer or the card store, whoever, contacts the company says, look, we didn't, we didn't get this. And then there's been all kinds of issues. Mm. And I find like their Black Diamond uh, brand of upper deck, like they were 250 then they jumped up to $500 a box for yeah. one pack, five or eight cards. And what are you really getting? Like you said, go buy a specific player. I'll still buy like I'll buy boxes and put them away if they're on sale or if they're whatever. But I specifically focus on players now because you can't keep up anymore. It's too expensive. Well, there's the sublime demand, right? Like they have such a high demand for their stuff. There's not enough supply. Price goes up. And the other thing is like there's a supply on and demand on their caring factor. They know that people are so obsessed with this stuff that they don't have to try as hard. Yeah. You know, that people are buying this stuff. It's like everything got gamified during the, when everyone was at home during the pandemic, during the lockdowns, everything got gamified from hockey cards. It became a gamified, like uh, you're, you're buying a card at this price and you're reselling it. Stocks became gamified, right? Like with, uh, with Robin Hood in the States where they, everything is now like, you're not calling your broker to buy like 10 shares of Nortel. You're, pressing a button that looks like a little it looks like a video game that you would download yeah and everything gets gamified and when people have more access to this stuff you know like it it becomes easier and more people get into it and yeah with the hockey cards upper deck i think that they knew that people were just buying it so why try harder when everything will sell out that's the way that i mean that's the way capitalism works is spend the least amount of money to get the most amount of profit when it breaks down, right? So it's like they can sell the same amount of boxes while doing less effort while spending less money. The pro- the thing they caught on to is like somebody's going to collect the player, right? You're going to collect Connor McDavid. Fine. You want his rookie card. Well, let's make several versions of his rookie card in different products. So mm-hmm. not only they don't have just one hockey product, they have mm-hmm. 25 different hockey products that range and they're tiered like the yeah. cheapest one is is a upper deck mvp right and i miss victory that was even cheaper victory was cheap but <laughs> i you know what i liked i liked victory i don't like mvp i've never liked no. mvp and but mvp is the cheapest one to get into the rookie but some of the rookies are if you get you know like david or whatever they're worth money but then they tear up and they get more expensive more obviously the cup being the most yeah. expensive mm-hmm. right you know, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it's, they made it on it. They made it so children have a hard time going to the store and buying a pack for 25 cents. But that's where victory came in too. 
Like Victory knew that they were cheap. You could get a, a retail box of Victory for 20 bucks and you're getting a bunch of Crosbys and McDavid's in there. Even like the Crosby rookie in Victory is, you know, like 40 bucks or something. It's not $1,000. And they got rid of Victory because now it's like they're catering only to the high-end like collector that's going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars. They don't care about a kid getting a box of Victory just so he can get his favorite players. Victory, that's the thing I liked about Victory is that it knew it was cheap. It was like the Burger King of, of cards, right? Whereas I find MVP is almost the same price as Series 1. It's just a little bit worse and a little bit cheaper, you know? It's, it's like it, It's not worth it. Sh- if you're going to buy, don't buy MVP. Just buy Series no. 1, Series 2 of the year. Call it a day because if you're going to spend $69 on MVP, you're wasting your money. I know, $69 compared to 100 bucks or whatever. Whereas the thing with Victory, it was like 20 bucks. You got a whole bunch of cards. And you could get the hot rookie from that year. If it's just for you, you know, you you got it. And I even tried with that. I think I, I wasn't able to get the PK Subban even on Victory, but I was able to buy it on eBay for a couple bucks. I made, it was always there. Yeah, my, worst, my worst purchase on eBay was a PK Subban rookie Panini limited uh, card autograph with his little Canadians logo. And mm-hmm. I, I think I got excited. This was years ago. And I, and there was a couple of them listed for like 200 bucks or whatever. And I got it for like 150 or $125. And then immediately after that, it, it, it start, he started his career start going down and it started tanking in price. And it's maybe worth 50 bucks today. I think, I think yeah. that was my absolute worst purchase, but my best purchases, uh, were my Austin Matthews rookie cards, which I got for like a hundred bucks a piece. I got two of them. My McDavid rookie card, which uh, I got on the... Oh, no, McDavid I pulled out of a pack from Walmart. I bought a $7 pack, and I got it out of Walmart pack. That That's I, a $2,000 card now. Right? And then my Huberto cards, because I've gone so far to collect as many as Huberto's rarest cards that you can find. And there's a bunch out there that are unattainable. Like, one of them is $5,000. One of them is... Because there's there's one of them. Is that them. the cup auto? Uh, there's the no. I have I have the I have a couple. I have a bunch of his cup stuff. There's a bunch of different versions of them. Mm-hmm. Like I have the tribute rook, uh, Crosby rookie Huberdeau patch, one of ten. I have one or you were two talking about the little booklet one you had of Huberdeau. Oh, that's that's the Panini booklet of 2013-14 with Huberdeau with a bunch of players. Their patches really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where it is, but it's really cool. His stuff, I've I've really got a lot of his high end stuff, and I got before they because like you want to yeah. get it, you want to get it one of his high end cards. People want two thousand dollars, and I pay well, hundred fifty bucks. Cards are stocks too, right? Like yeah. they're stocks. Like uh, I, the same year is uh was the Barkov rookie the same year as the Uber rookie? Is that their yeah? That, I think there's they're the same yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I got that year. I think that the Uber was a little more expensive than Barkov and Shively because I think Huberto has like the Quebec player tax to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have Quebec. I think Quebecers are big hockey card collectors. Yes. I think Quebecers, like, Ontario and Quebec, that's like the heartbeat of hockey card collecting. I think, like, there's so many hockey card collectors. And it was, I couldn't find any good Huberto's, but I found a good Barkov. I found a good, like, Shively for like 20 bucks each. And they went up, like, you're you're betting in, on players that you believe in, like a stock you believe in. And Barkov, he went up to a hundred bucks. Shifley went up to a hundred bucks, but then when he pulled his shenanigans against the Canadians, 
he's down to like 60 because he went from Captain Canada to like this guy who was remorseless about a dirty hit on a defenseless player. Yeah, that was a that was a really bad hit. I mean, Evans Evans I don't think is ever going to be the same. He hasn't been the same since that hit. But you no. know, uh the other thing is uh the pricing for cards is used to be Beckett the the yeah. sports guide for now it's eBay completed listings. Now, now it's eBay completed listings or eBay listings and comc comc.com where you can go buy from an American company. Man, they charge like ridiculous shipping yeah. prices to Canada. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's so many good things on there, but then you got to spend an arm and a leg just to get it. So, you know. It, it's funny with my personal project I was collecting though, when uh, I talk to people and they say like, oh, I have a nice Esposito rookie. I say, no, I don't want a nice one. I want an okay one. Yeah. I don't want one that's been chewed on by your dog, but I don't want a PSA 10. I don't have like $4,000 to spend on it. Give me a one that looks nice, one that will look nice in my display. Yeah. And I found a nice Stan Makita. The only defect on it, even the corners are nice. Someone put a pin on like a bulletin board. It was hanging uh... on the pin, but it's the smallest little hole. You'll never notice it. Like I'm not going to grade it with PSA, but that's the only thing that's wrong with it. But to me, it's fine. And, um, it was hard to find the Mahavlich and the Makita. And uh, in Quebec, we have a bunch of good communities on Facebook for vintage cards and cards in general. And I went and I sent a message out. I said, uh, "Do you, does anyone have any Frank Mahavlich or Phil Espositos? Because I'm starting this personal collection with the Team Canada 72. I'm looking for, you know, cards that are good. I don't want it graded like a five or six. Like it's just my personal collection. I'm putting in display. I'm not even going to resell it. I'm, I'm keeping it. And one guy sent me a message. He said, I got this Frank Mahovlich liner. I was like, give me 200 bucks. I'm like, that's a fair price. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm like on eBay, that card be 400 bucks. It's a PSA uh, CSG one, but it looks great. Those ratings are, are harsh too. eh? like uh, for vintage cards, like <laughs> the card looks great. It's a 1.5 or whatever. It's, it's, it's hard, but like a Gretzky one, Great rate at one, let's say out of PSA. Oh my God, it's still expensive, right? Like, cause it's, it's Gretzky. So it depends. Then some of the older cards, if they're sought after rookies, even yeah. in bad condition, they're worth money. And, um, I regret not picking up a Wayne Gretzky rookie card back in the day for 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, even, but like you said, even back then, they were still 500 bucks. It wasn't an easy purchase with the change you have lying in your change. Yeah. Store. But that's, that's exactly the money I was going to use to buy it too. <laughs> yeah, you have a big car with a big change drawer, one of those old Oldsmobiles, giant change drawer the size of a luggage. Yeah, Gretzky. With me personally, I'd be afraid of the reprints now, though. You? I I could tell. I have I've been through a couple of them. I've uh, gone to garage sales. I've seen people yeah. try to sell them. Yeah. Um, I've gone to people. I met people off Craigslist, Facebook, and so many fakes. And I see right away. I'm like, okay, see this. The yellow, the non-yellow, like this is mm -hmm. fake. The back is fake. It's reprinted. It's a or it's a reprint edition, or it's a you know. Some people try. Actually, one of the things people do in hockey cards, uh, in is try to take an old card, and if it's bad corners, they take it and they try to sliver off a piece, yeah, they cut, they cut it, it yeah, to make yeah. it look immaculate, and then yeah. the card's compromised. But you could tell when it happens. And I read there's a guy, he used to work for PSA, and he knows exactly how much you can cut. Yeah. He's like, you can cut half a millimeter, and it still meets minimum dimensions on PSA. And you won't get flagged for, you know, if it's cut, they just call it a authentic or something like that. 
But if, if, if it's cut more than like a half a millimeter, then it says A and it says like cut. And then that card will not be worth what a, even a PSA 1 is. Oh. But I just, especially now with, yeah, since the pandemic and the gamified sports card collecting that everyone's trying to like uh, make so much money off of it. I think that there's probably more reprints now. They probably even do some funny stuff like, you know, try and make it look older. I put it in the washing machine or something and and uh, I, I'd be scared. And PSA was even slow to catch on that. There's some that are PSA graded, but they're reprints and PSA didn't catch it. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So like you think even you think you're buying a PSA graded Gretzky that it's going to be authentic, but they were able to slip past before PSA realized that so many of them were floating around. I think the community and the hobby community has been compromised for a while with a lot of um, duplicates and fakes going around and people doing trying to spend like this. People are in there trying to screw you out of money, right? That's what they. Mm-hmm. And everyone yeah. thinks their card's worth five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. So unfortunately, I, yeah. I, like Michael Matheson, mm-hmm. I go on eBay and he got some of his high end cards, five hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, and I, I message the seller and I'm like, look, I'll give you fifty bucks for this card. It's yeah. Michael it's Michael Matheson. It's not Jonathan Huberdeau. He's not he's not worth that. Like it, it, yeah yeah, and they send you back like really uh, terrible messages, sarcastic messages, or and they're like, well, go buy it from somebody else. But like it's not the point. The point is I'm trying to negotiate with you, uh, and if like it's the same thing. Like if you got a Wayne Gretzky rookie card and you want uh, the eight thousand dollars for it, I'm not gonna ask for you five hundred bucks. Like it's kind of disrespectful. But at the same time, a lot of people think. Uh, I love the send offer on eBay though. You like sending offers? I love negotiating. I love I love sending offers. My rule of thumb, and I don't care if any because now what? eBay is charging tax uh, on eBay yeah. in Canada on purchases. So oh, that, that's killer, right? That's, that's killer. killer, and it's making yeah. collecting on eBay very difficult. Yeah. So um, yeah. what happens is now I have to offer less. Mm-hmm. So depending on the card. Like if I know Jonathan Huberto cards listed seven hundred dollars, I'm not offering, um, I'm not going to be able to offer five hundred bucks. I have to offer less, and then usually I go in always fifty percent offer what they're asking for. Yeah, so, and uh, always because they're asking for too much off the bat. John, like like uh, like this Matheson whiteout card here. Uh, you can kind of see it. Okay, mm-hmm. this card I got for about eight bucks with shipping and tax. People are wanting twenty five dollars for it plus shipping and tax. And when did you buy it? Uh, I got it recently. There's not. It's not worth twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Even eight dollars is pushing it. But and w- now that he's on the Canadians, everything's more expensive. And see. but everything started going up. But that's fine. But eight dollars. I'm willing to pay eight dollars for that. Yeah. Not twenty five dollars. If that. And how was, much shipping? Well, the shipping that like I'm saying, including uh, including shipping. But a lot of oh, people. Okay. Are, that's a lot great. Of, yeah, a lot of people are like three dollars, two dollars, one ninety nine. Yeah. Some want five ninety nine. Well, it's, I mean, you know, like some people send it in plain or white envelopes with tape, and I hate that. Like, don't do that. Send it with painter's tape, plastic, put it in a nice bubble wrap because it's a card. If it gets damaged, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it back on you. And, um, you know, it's, it's just the return, the returns on cards. Like, you usually don't have a problem. During the beginning of the pandemic, there was a problem. I had to, I had to ask for my money back. A lot of cards didn't come back and forth. It happened to me once that I, it was my mistake. But during the pandemic at the beginning, there was a lot of cards not coming in the mail that should have been coming in the mail. And I don't know why, unless they just couldn't handle the overload of mail because people were at home. And I, I did hear that, that Canada Post had a lot of delays 
during the like the the heart of the pandemic. It was yeah. uh, they had a lot of delays. I never had to wait that long. Uh, do you ever sell cards on eBay? I did. I only did one time to try it. I sold a Nikita Kucherov net cord card, so a piece of the hockey net at a card. And if anybody knows, they're pretty thick. Yep. I sold it for like 160 bucks, but eBay took twenty dollar profit. So, yeah. you know, and I and I think I I think tracking was like fifteen bucks or something like that. Yeah. And I I just did it to try it, but I've mostly sold on the Twitter community uh, account. With people that I, I get uh, either, um, that I know I've dealt with or traded with, or I get, um, vouch, uh, like vouchers for from other people. Whenever you sell something to the States, it becomes an additional headache too. Like, uh, if you're selling something and it's, uh, taking a truck to California, he's not going to get it before 10 days and he's going to be telling you, how's it taking so long? You're like, I sent it for $3 on a truck to California. Right? Yeah. I've had a lot of people message me. My card's not here. I'm like, it's been a month. I'm like, just wait, it'll get there. Never. I've never had a card not make it to the States. Just took a long time. I had one guy tried to message me and tried to swindle me off of money. Um, like a weekend. He's like, yeah, my cards never arrived. He's like, I want my money back. I'm like, you live in New Jersey. Your cards are not coming for like six weeks. Relax. Mm-hmm. Hold on. And then he would send messages and harass and whatever. But I found out that guy, he, he, did he that. does that a lot. That's his business model. But there's there are people. There is a bunch of scammers. There was a guy out of Calgary that was scamming people and um, pretending he would take pictures of eBay listings. Yeah, or his cards. Send them to you on Twitter. Say how much you, uh, how much you want to give me for it, and you say seven hundred bucks. Like okay, how about six fifty? And you're like okay. And then people would send the money, and the guy would send shipping and blah, blah, and send it, and then you never hear from them. The guy took your money. You know, it, it happened a lot. And uh, you know, I stopped. I haven't I haven't been so busy. I haven't been able to trade or do anything with anybody but uh i'm still collecting like uh recently i went crazy with the matheson stuff and um you know were you a fan of him when he was on florida when he was drafted all the way back then yes i knew i knew about him i was really intrigued by that particular his his skill set and his well he was like an a, offensive d those guys are a hot commodity yeah he's he should have been better than what he started off as and it's only in pittsburgh that he found his game well, he had one really good year, and that's why he got that giant contract that made him almost a negative value because he was being paid more of his production, but he had a great year last year. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh, he had a really great year in Pittsburgh. And I watch, I'll watch anybody. I watch every team. I watch players for players. I don't just, like, I love the Canadians, but I don't just watch the Canadians. And when we made the deal for Matheson, and they and they moved Petrie out in polling, and I was like, Wow, well, uh, Paling. Uh, I say Poling, Paling. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a fantastic deal because you got to get get out two contracts, a big contract, got a similar player in for cheaper money, got a draft pick, and Matheson's going to do well in Montreal. Plus, he's going to get the ice time. Plus, you're going to put him on the power play. Uh, he's going to play for the Crest. Yeah, he's yes. a Montrealer. He's and a, he, he's a Canadiens fan. I think he's going to his plus minus might not be great this year because Montreal is still working on the the system. That's the plan. That's no, the plan is to be bad. The plan is to be bad. Yeah, yeah. But, that's why they signed nobody. Yeah, that's true. But I could see him putting up uh, more points than in Pittsburgh just because he's going to have the opportunity to. Yeah, play. he will. He'll have every opportunity. The one oh. thing you said about the paling thing, it's like, oh, good thing we got rid of paling. That's the bad thing about our drafting from 2008 to 2015 is that we didn't draft anyone of any value. Well, that it's like good thing we got rid of that first round pick. He was really they um, up a contract. Our our drafting has been political 
and a lot of different chefs in the kitchen. That's going to change. I, I yeah, within, they're like Burger King chefs. Yeah, that's going to change now. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I really see like good things happening. Like just just like pickups of players off of waivers and like quick little exchanges that they did recently in the past season. Those have been good. Like Paul Byron, good. Rem Pitlick, yeah. Good. I I Greg like Kulak, them. good. Like there's good. there's been some good pickups and even the waiver pickup is it the uh, Hag Hag or Clegg? Kyle Clegg. Kyle Clegg. He was a good waiver pickup. Like he's not a guy that you're gonna trade for necessarily, but it was a good waiver pickup. Give you some minutes. Like there's a lot of good things they did, and hopefully no draft picks that we draft in the next coming years are gonna go unwa- are gonna go wasted. Mm. I don't want to see that. Like anymore. well, like Paling, that's a waste of a pick. You're yep. giving him away. You're paying someone to take a first round pick. Yeah, and I I think he's gonna have a good time in Pittsburgh. I don't know. Like he had that one four goal game against the Leafs. Was it three or four goals that first game? They I think it, I think it was four. Four goals, and after that, we were expecting to do that every game. He did not. But uh, our drafting, I don't know how much of it is drafting, how much is development. But from 2008 to 2015, you can look it up. The Canadians drafted nothing of any value. We could have yeah. thrown all those picks in the garbage and ended up with the same thing. Trevor Timmons drafted a generational 2007 with Pacioretty, Subban, and McDonough. No one has ever, no one can ever reproduce those three impact players in 40 picks like that. And we got but rid of after, them. Yeah, but after that, though, 2008, they traded their first-round pick for Alex Tongay, but their second was Danny Cristo. 2009 was uh, 2009 was that Louis LeBlanc. 2010, Jared Tenorti. 2011, Michael McCarron. 2012, we had the third overall. We got something out of Galchenyuk, but how do you miss from third overall? Like, you don't. The worst third overall I can think of is Cam Barker. Yeah. But other than that, like you don't miss from two thousand. I lo- I like Galchenyuk. I think he was mismanaged, and then he got too much into the party life and um, all and kinds he, of stuff. And he he gave us good moments. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, like seeing him play. Like he was an exciting player. He scored thirty goals that year. He was fun to watch. And from third overall, you need to get something, and we got something. And then we trade him for Domi. We got the best out of Domi, and then we trade Domi for Anderson, who's an enigmatic player. But he's still of more value than Domi is now. Yeah, yeah. But just like you can't miss every single pick from 2008 to 2015 and expect to be good five years later because there's nothing in the cupboard. Like you you have no prospects. And that was why we had to overpay to get Jonathan Durant. If we had 10 good prospects at that time, Tampa, you give them a choice of what to take. But Tampa looked at our prospect cover. They didn't want Juleson. They didn't want Bolia. The only thing we had to offer was Sergachev. So we had to overpay to get the guy who kind of wanted to play here. I never liked that trade. I hated it. I would never have traded Sergachev. I would have never traded McDonough. But, you know? but we had nothing else to give Tampa because we had drafted so badly. And I use the we because as Montrealers, I'm sure our tax money goes somewhere into an arena somewhere. So by paying taxes towards an organization... I and you are the we. We are the Montreal Canadiens. And we're from Montreal. You know, I'm not born in Pittsburgh. And we had to overpay for one because we had nothing better in the prospect cover because we drafted so badly from 2008 2015. But even even coming out of there, like he didn't want to play in Tampa. He didn't want to play in the minors. Oh. He, he had so much. He had to develop his two-way game and he didn't want to. He had a bad attitude. And you went, you traded a highly touted prospect defenseman mm-hmm. that was going to be good, replaced Markov almost. 
and you went and traded for Durant, who hasn't worked out, has always hurt, is is a is a, a, I'm not saying mental health issues or mental health issues, so that's one thing. But the injury stuff, the injury stuff, he's always hurt. He always shoots the same way. He always shoots from outside the circle, always in the chest of the goalie, and he doesn't go into the corners. He's soft. And you know what? I don't, I don't like the player. And, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything. I'm saying I would have never made that trade. And it, and, and Bergeron said he made that trade because he was a francophone guy from Quebec. Like you can't win like that. You can't have that mentality. If that's your mentality, if you're still thinking defense, goalie and French players, you're never going to win a cup. So I like the new administration that comes in. They're just like, we're going to do the best what's for business. But talking about French players, one thing that excites me is, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, the, the mental games this guy is playing with everyone are intriguing. Yeah, no, he uh he's trying to sign himself into a one year deal, and and he's he knows what's going on. He's out of Columbus. Uh, but, Col- sorry, not Columbus, uh, Winnipeg. He yeah. first of all, he didn't want to be a Columbus anymore. He didn't want to be, and he doesn't want to be Winnipeg. Those those are both sinking ships, and he knows what's going on. But in our lifetime, we have never seen a French Canadian player say, "I'm coming to Montreal." Yeah, we have never seen, and that's. As much of a jerk as he's being, it's refreshing to see someone actually say, I want to play in Montreal. Do you remember when Daniel Briere used Montreal to leverage Philadelphia's $8 million eight-year contract? Yeah. Do you remember when Vincent Lecavier, when we really wanted him, Yeah. he said in like a Sports Illustrated article, he even said, I thought about going to Montreal, but then Tampa's like five years, 10 million. He's like, Tampa Bay is good. <laughs> no, uh, we've never seen the hometown boy come home. We've never seen someone choose Montreal. It's never happened. Like Yannick Perrault is the closest we've gotten to a French Canadian guy who chose Montreal. A lot of them do that because they know they want to stay where they are. It's the taxes mm-hmm. situation yeah. is better. Yeah. They don't want to come here because a lot of their money is going to go to taxes mm-hmm. and they don't want to deal with the media. They have a better lifestyle over there. But now that we have changed administration, Pierre-Luc Dubois actually seems interesting, uh, interested in coming. We'll see what happens. If not, if they don't resign him, I don't think Winnipeg's going to resign him. I think he's going to get traded at the deadline. But who's going to pay assets for a guy who says he's coming to Montreal? He's a glorified rental. He's one year. Well, if he actually wants to come to Montreal, the Montreal's going to turn around and be like, well, you're, we're your only trade partner, so we're going to give you yep. X, A, and B, and that's it. I think that Hughes has offered the decent, fair deal. And by fair, I'm saying fair as in worse than good, but yeah. fair also as just. He's offering Florida's first. He's offering Christian Dvorak. And he's offering one of the defensive prospects like Justin Barron. He's like, you could take this deal. Is it a fair? It's a fair deal. It's Even fair, deal. fair like just or worse than good. Both. It's but- because this is the position you're in. Yeah, and you're going to lose him. So you might as well get yeah. something than nothing, you know? And Winnipeg is coming back with like, no Caulfield and you're first. And we're like, no, that's the deal. That's the deal. He's going to come here in two years or he's coming here or he's going to come here now. And I think they'll pay that. But other than that, they're going to play the waiting game, I think, with him. But I just find it refreshing. I've never heard a Quebecer say, I'm playing in Montreal and trade me there or I'm going there. I've never heard that before. To me, it's a it's it's interesting. You know, it's it's novel. The only thing, the only thing is, as much as you need centers, like we got Doc Suzuki. Yeah. That's great. Doc, he's he's a young guy. Chicago is a bad situation. They can develop him here. Is he a second line center? We'll find out. 
Dubois, Dubois reminds me of Rick Nash. He has the skill set Rick Nash would play or disappear, but uh, obviously a higher-end talent. Dubois is work ethic really like sucks, and, I, and he has a bad attitude about things. He really, you can see it on the ice sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he dogged a couple shifts in Columbus. Yeah, and um, that's my problem. And maybe they, they oh, sh- he has red flags. Yeah, he does. But that's why you take him for free in two years. Oh yeah, or you give assets that you're comfortable giving now. You you don't give your first because. The Canadians are not planning on being good next year. They do not sign anyone of value. That's another thing. How we can be the worst team in the league while still spending to the cap every year, that's a skill. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're they're not going to be good next year. They didn't sign anyone good, right? Like, they, they're not trying to be competitive. They're, they're trying to develop. That's all. They're trying to – I think they're trying to get Connor Bedard next year. They're trying to get Mishkov. They're trying to get – well, they're gonna pick. they're gonna unload contracts as much as possible. Like if they can move Anderson and Gallagher and contracts like that, they will. Carry price situation is a question mark. Gallagher is hard to move. People are weary of taking like a six million dollar, often injured player who has given so much of his heart and soul that how much does he have left? Anderson is just an intriguing guy, though, right? Like uh, he'll score twenty goals, get twenty assists, but you think that he's gonna do better? He reminds me of, do you remember uh, Artukin? Yeah. He reminds me of Artukin. He's six foot six. He skates well. He can, he can move the puck at high speed. He can kind of, he has pretty good hands, but you always like, you see flashes and you think he's going to do that every day. Because the problem with, with, uh, with Anderson is that he's the same player on the ice every time he plays. So everybody knows what he's going to do. The defenseman knows what he's going to do. He always drives to the net the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. needs, he needs to slow down a little bit when he's in the offensive zone, look for a pass or look for a shot. He doesn't do that. And then it, he, he's always like, he's work, he's overworking. Like he's like a, you know, like a Gallagher sometimes is overworked, but Anderson kind of overworks, but he always plays that same game, south, north to south, uh, south to north, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But Anderson has speed to get around guys. Yeah, but see, guys, in the last last couple of times, you've seen guys are they know they're like they know exactly yeah. what to expect, so it doesn't really work anymore. And now he's coming a little bit older. People are like, you know, hey, maybe maybe but he gets on the power play, you put him from the net, but. You know. But we we search so long and hard for a big forward like him though. It's like I don't want to just give him away for nothing. I know he's overpaid. He doesn't give you everything you want. It's just a uh, you've searched for that player for so long. Like we always wanted our Lucic, right? Like yeah. the Bruins had Lucic, and we had Mike Komisarek fighting him and injuring himself for a whole year. We had George Larac, who is not the same player as Lucic. We needed a guy who can play the top six minutes and who can fight and who can, you know, who can be physical. And, and Anderson is that guy, but you say he plays the same every day, but he also, he doesn't give the same effort every game. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Like he kind of, he kind of comes and goes, but he's the same type of player. Like you want him to be a 30, 30 guy, but he's like a less consistent 20, 20 guy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. On that note, I got to run. I thought we were going to talk about wrestling now. No, I, I kid, I kid. I next, talk. I, next time, next time we'll talk about wrestling. Hey, that sounds great. I'm a vintage wrestling guy like I'm a vintage hockey guy, but uh, that's about it. Thank, All right. Take care, hey, Andrew. It, it was a pleasure. I hope you got something good. All uh, right. I definitely got something good. You have a good one. Yeah, I'm going to get back to this research. Research doesn't sleep. I'm changing the world one study at a time. There you go. Have yourself a good one. Ciao. You too.
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Mr. Mike Podcast. Wrong answers only with our special guest, Andrew Chevrier. We had the opportunity to talk about hockey cards, the Canadians, collecting, upper deck, and all kinds of things in this episode. Tune in next time to more interviews and more discussions with special guests. Follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Mr. Mike MTL, Wrong Answers MTL. And don't forget to check us out at our website at MrMikeMTL.com, MrMikeMTL.com. There you can find all our episodes. You can even check out profiles from all our special guests. You can click on their links. If they're authors, their books will be there. Feel free to rummage through and share the link with everybody because it really helps promote the podcast. And we'll see everyone next time.